morning, Orchard. Take out your Bibles this morning or your mobile devices and turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 6. Uh, we'll begin in verse 8 in just a little bit. If you are wanting to know which version we'll be using, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation so you can follow right along as well. As you're finding your way there this morning uh, to Isaiah, you may be wondering why we're wearing our I Said Yes baptism shirts. That's because uh, this is going to be our third quarter uh, baptism of the year. And we have about 50 people this afternoon at 1 o'clock that are saying yes to Jesus, going public with their faith. So yeah, can we praise God for that? Pretty awesome. Uh, that's going to put us at about a, over 170 people this year alone that have followed the Lord in believers' baptisms. Can we just celebrate that again? That is so awesome because that's what it's all about here at Orchard Church, helping people find and follow Jesus. And one of the first steps in following him is in believers' baptism. So we're excited for all those being baptized today. Today we are also wrapping up our three-part series called Game Changing Prayers. Praying prayers that are game changers in our life. And because they're game changing prayers, they're not easy prayers. Uh, these are not predictable prayers. They're not safe prayers, but they have the ability to literally change the trajectory of our life, of our marriage, of our family. I've really appreciated many of you are putting stuff on Facebook about these prayers. Some of you have even emailed me directly and said, man, as I've been praying these prayers, God has been answering these prayers and doing some pretty amazing things in my life. And that's such an encouragement to know that you're putting the word of God into practice in your life. The first week we talked about the game-changing prayer, search me, being willing to pray that prayer to God. Search me, oh God, know my heart, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you so we can be in a right standing and relationship in our walk with the Lord. The second uh, part of this series, we talked about a really difficult game-changing prayer, a kind of a scary prayer where we were willing to say, break me, because we learned that life's greatest breakings can often lead to life's greatest blessings on the other side of of those breakings. Today we're going to wrap it up uh, with another challenging one, a difficult one, but this is one of my favorite ones of the three, uh, a game-changing prayer. And as we think about prayer, we have values here at Orchard Church, and, and one of our values is about prayer, and we say it this way, we pray as if everything depends upon God, but we work as if everything depends upon us. And we really have a strong value in, in the power of prayer. Each week we invite you to give us your prayer request there on your connection card, and we get you know, 15, 20, 25 sometimes more prayer requests every week here at Orchard Church. We have a prayer team uh, that takes those and we assign them and they pray over those prayer requests. But if, if we're honest, as we evaluate those prayer requests we normally receive, if you listen to the prayer requests that happen most of the time in your small groups, I think we would be honest and say most of the time our prayers are about us or someone we love. You know, God, you know, bless me, bless my family, bless my marriage, bless my kids. I need this job. Uh, pray for someone I love or care about their health, uh, you know, my finances. And, you know, we should pray those kind of prayers. God cares about every need and what's going on in our life. We need to bring our requests to Him. Amen? God wants us to do that. But I want to challenge us today to go beyond just a prayer for ourselves and about people we love and we care about. Don't limit yourself to just those kinds of prayers. Be willing to pray a prayer that instead of just saying, God, what can you do for me? A game-changing prayer is, God, what can I do for you? That's a game-changing prayer. God, I know there's some requests I have that I want you to do for me and people I love and care about, but God, what can I do for you? 
What, what do you want to do with my life? I mean, this is a game-changing prayer. What can I do for you? This is a prayer of availability, saying, God, I, I, my life is not my own. It's yours. I'm available to you. God, what are you calling me to do? What do you want of my life? And you, be careful what you pray for because you just might get it. And if you're willing to pray a game-changing prayer of availability and ask God, what are you calling me to? He's probably going to call you to some things. Or he's going to call you away from some things. And his plan and details of your life may be different than what you had in mind. If you know what I'm talking about, say yes. They may be different. God, if you're, you're willing to be available, he may call you to a different job. He may call you to a different city. He may call you to stay when you really want to go. He may call some of you to break up with that loser you've been dating to give you an upgrade. Amen, ladies? You know? God may call you to something different. God may call you to serve in a certain way, to help people find and follow Jesus. God may call you to give in a certain way, maybe to give sacrificially. God may call you to be a witness and share your faith with people in your neighborhood, your coworkers, your family members. God may even call some of you from being a cat lover to becoming a dog lover. Maybe. I'm just saying. Maybe. Maybe. May, that might happen. I may be praying that for some of you. I'm just, no, anyway. But when you pray this prayer of availability, God, what do you want to do with me? What are you calling me to? Then we have a responsibility to respond. But how will we respond to God's call? If you're taking notes this morning, I hope you will on the back of your newsletter, there are three responses to God's call that I want to point out and show you in Scripture. Three different men, three different responses to God's call. And I want you to ask yourself, where do you see yourself and how these three men responded? The first one is a man named Jonah. Remember Jonah, Jonah in the whale, Jonah and the big fish. Jonah was called by God, and here was his response. Here I am, I'm not going. You ever been there? That was Jonah's response. Let's look at it. In Jonah chapter 1, we'll put it on the screen before we get to Isaiah. Jonah says this, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amitti, get up and what, church? Go. That was God's call. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and he went in the, let's say it together, he went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. You ever been there? God called you a certain direction, but you went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. You sensed his call, but you ran from that call. This, this happened in my life. Some of you know my story, my testimony. I won't go into all the details, but I grew up in a Christian home. I accepted Christ when I was eight years old. When I was in middle school, I was at youth camp. God called me into full-time vocational ministry to be a pastor someday. I knew that was the call of my life. It was clear as, as anything had ever been, and that was what I committed to. But then I got into high school. I turned 16. I got a job. I got a car. I got a girlfriend. I got out of church. I got away from the Lord, and for about six years, I ran from God's call on my life. I went in the opposite direction. And I may have forgotten about God's call, but God didn't forget. And God knows how to chase us down. Amen? And he did. But when God calls, how do you respond? Do you respond like Jonah? Here I am. I'm not going. I'm too busy, God. Don't you know all the things that I have on my plate, God? Don't you see how busy my life is? I'm just not available right now. That would be too hard. I have other priorities. Here I am. I'm not going. That's one response to God's call. Here's another response to God's call that we see in Scripture, and it's about the man Moses. Moses was called by God, and his response was, here I am, send someone else. Here I am, God, now send someone else. We read about this in Exodus chapter 3. 
God says to Moses, let's say it together. What's the first two words, church? Now go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people Israel out of Egypt. But Moses protested to God. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of us have protested to God about what he wants us to do sometimes in our life or not to do? That's, that's an argument you're going to lose. Let me just tell you. I've been there. And, and Moses' response was this to God's call. Who am I to appear before Pharaoh. Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? Here I am, God, send someone else. Who am I? And Moses forgot what we sometimes forget. He was more focused on who he was instead of whose he was. And if he would understand whose he was, he would have answered the call. But instead, he said in chapter 4, but Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send what, church? Anyone else. Send Aaron. Send somebody else. Here I am. Send someone else. You got the wrong person, God. And maybe some of you can relate. You felt God's call on your life to something, to do something, to say something, to be something. And you're like, no, no, God, you've got the wrong person. Send someone else. Someone, send someone more qualified than me. Send someone with more resources and money than me. Send someone taller than me. I didn't think that was funny. Send someone with more talent than me. Send someone that knows the Bible better than I do, that'll have the right answers. You know, send someone that has more time. I just don't have the time. God will call us when we make ourselves available and be willing to pray game-changing prayer to make ourselves available to God. God is going to answer and he's going to call us. How do we respond? Do we respond like Jonah when he said, here I am, I'm not going? Do we respond like Moses where he said, here I am, send someone else? Or do we respond like Isaiah? And here was Isaiah's response to God's call. He said, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. And we read about this in Isaiah chapter 6 in verse 8. And we'll spend the rest of our time there uh, this morning. In Isaiah 6, 8, it says this. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And it's, I mean, I almost envision like, you know, God, the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, they're having this conversation. Man, somebody's got to go talk to these people. Who are we going to send? I don't know. Who do you think we should send? Who do you think we should send? And then finally, somebody steps up and responds. And it's Isaiah. And he says, here I am, send me. Let's say that together, church. Here I am, send me. That is a game-changing prayer and response to God. Would you agree? Say yes. To be willing to say, here I am, God, send me. Send me. Now notice what Isaiah didn't say. Notice what he didn't ask. He didn't say, okay, where are you sending me, God? If it's Hawaii, I'm in. If it's Africa, I'm not. He didn't say, where are you sending me? He didn't say, what's the climate? How long am I going to be there? What's the cost of living, pay range? Is there a vacation or the benefit package? No. He didn't ask any questions of God. He just said, here I am. Send me. My life is a blank contract. God, you can do with my life whatever you want to do with my life. That's a game changer. And I want to challenge all of us today to consider this kind of response, this kind of game-changing prayer, this prayer of availability that we, would be that we would allow the God of this universe to step into our lives and interrupt our lives. Have you ever thought about that? Would you allow God to interrupt your life and your plans so that God 
can send you where he wants you to go, have you do what he wants you to do, give you your time, your talent, your treasure, whatever it is. When you say, here I am, send me. And when we pray that kind of prayer, I believe God will answer that prayer. And what many of you will realize, and what I've realized in my life, when I'm willing to pray this kind of game-changing prayer, here I am, send me, my life is a blank check, God, do whatever you want, God will answer, and you'll find out He has a specific plan and purpose for your life and details. And you'll, you might be surprised how much He has for you to do, that you get to step into, that you get to be a part of when you say, here I am, send me. It's a game-changing prayer. Now, we could just wrap it up right there today, and I could just say, okay, we're done. Go out and pray that prayer. Problem is, many of you will not pray that prayer because you don't realize the things that it takes to get to that place. You see, we we jumped into Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8, but there's seven verses that lead up to Isaiah being willing to pray this kind of prayer. And if these things don't happen in our life, We won't respond the way that Isaiah did. I mean, how do we get to the place that we're willing to pray this kind of game-changing prayer that says, here I am, send me? How do we get to that place? And I want to spend the rest of our time talking about this. You have it in your notes. What do you need to fully surrender to God? You need three things to happen in your life the same way they happened in Isaiah's life to get us to this place. The first one, if you're taking notes, is this. You need a genuine experience with the presence of God. We sang about it this morning, being more aware of his presence. Because when you get in the presence of God, it begins to lead you down a path that takes you to a destination where you're willing to say, here I am, send me. When you really, truly get in the presence of God. Let's look at it in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. This is exactly what happened in Isaiah's life. What led him to this prayer of full surrender to say, here I am, send me? Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1. Isaiah says, it was in the year King Uzziah died that I, say it church, saw the Lord. Can we agree he is in the presence of the Lord? He says, I saw the Lord with my own eyes. I was in the presence of God. He was sitting and he describes this scene. I mean, can we just try to wrap our minds around this for a minute? He was sitting on a lofty throne and his train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim. There were these angelic flying creatures, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. They were calling out to each other. Let's say it together, church. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's army. Holy, 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 holy. The whole earth is filled with his what, church? With his glory. We sang about it this morning, being more aware of his presence, being more aware of his glory, going from glory to glory. That's what's happening in the presence of the Lord. Their voices shook the temple, verse 4 says, to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. And it's really difficult For us to to grasp the scene in our finite minds, being in the very presence of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the universe, of all creation, and to hear this these angelic beings, seraphim singing holy, 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 and the place is filled filled with smoke. The the best I can do to visualize this in my mind, it takes me back when I was a little kid and I used to watch my favorite movie back then. You know, this was before like VCRs and DVDs. I had to wait for it once a year when Wizard of Oz would come on TV. And you know when Dorothy and her friends would go into the presence of the great and powerful Oz. I'm sorry, that's where my mind takes me. But this is like that times infinity. I mean, this isn't some dude behind a curtain, you know, pulling levers. This is God. 
And it radically changed Isaiah's life and, and his outlook and his perspective. And it began leading him to a place where he was willing to say, here I am, send me. I'm fully surrendered to you, God. I'm fully surrendered. Why are we not more available to God? Why am I not sometimes more available to God? Maybe it's because we haven't experienced His presence lately. I mean, really experienced the presence of God. Can that happen in a service like this? Certainly it can. But it's more than that. What I've learned in my life is if I want to experience the presence of God, I have to prioritize the presence of God. Because my life is crazy like yours. And it's busy. And we've got cell phones. And we've got internet. And we're going here. And we're going there. And we've got responsibilities. And we live this crazy, hectic, busy life. And if we want to experience the presence of God, what we've got to do is we've got to get alone with God. And we've got to do what the Bible says. Be still and know that I am God. I don't know about you guys, but I have a hard time sitting still. This is why I, I now have a stool out here, so I'm not just running around the stage the whole time. And, and we have to be still. One, one of my favorite times, it's not the only time, but one of my favorite times of the year that I always look forward to, to enjoy the presence of God, is during hunting season. And I know some of you have different feelings about hunting and all that stuff, and, uh, but, you know, uh, this is a spiritual story, so overlook that part. But uh, I, I love living in Colorado. I love hunting. Um, I... I, I elk hunt, and I, I do some other hunting, but I love to, to hunt elk, I love to bow hunt, I love to rifle hunt, and during bow season, um, I have a place that I go, I'm not going to tell you where, because it's my secret place, but it's, it's about a two-mile hike into the woods that I have to hike in two miles in the dark before the sun comes up, so that I can be, climb up into my tree stand, I have a tree stand, it's about 25 feet off the ground, I climb up in there, before I climb up into my tree stand though, I always take out my flashlight and I shine it up in the tree stand, because my buddy one time had a bear in his tree stand, and I know that I would be a nice snack for a bear, so I check that first, and then I climb up in my tree stand, and I sit there about an hour before the sun even comes up to be, to be ready, and, and I'm just sitting there alone, nobody to talk to. No cell phone, no internet, just sitting and waiting. And I know you guys are like, well, Doug, you are a talker. Who, you got to be talking to somebody. And I do. I talk to God. I talk to God. And usually it's not the first 15 minutes or the first 30 minutes or the first hour, but sometimes I sit there for hours. And it's that second hour or that third hour that, man, I just really start feeling the presence of the Lord and I feel like I'm connected with Him and I'm talking to Him and I feel like He's answering and He's bringing scriptures to my memory. And, and, and man, many times I come back from these hunting trips and I come home and I'm like, Shelly, I got to tell you what God said. I got to tell you what God told me. He gave me this idea and that idea and just being in the presence of God, which I love. One of the things I love about experiencing the presence of God in my tree stand, at night, if I stay there long enough, I usually don't get out until dark and then I've got to walk out of the woods two miles with a bow in my hand and there's lions tigers and bears oh my so i'm glad that i experienced the presence of god and he's with me and he never leaves me or forsakes me that helps me get out of the woods i don't know why i shared that i just felt better telling you about that <laughs> but when was the last time you really felt like man i really experienced the presence of god and maybe some of you are like i don't really i don't feel the presence of god I don't know if I've ever felt the presence of God like what you're describing or what other people describe. Well, let me give you some good news. The Bible says if we're willing to draw close to God, 
he will draw close to us. If we seek him, we will find him. We do not have a God who plays hide and seek with his children. He wants to connect with us. He wants us to experience his presence. And it may be when you're driving in your car to work and you're talking to him. It may be you're listening to worship music. Maybe when you're praying with your kids at night. It may be in a service like this. It may be that you just need to get out in the middle of the woods and just get away and unplug from everything to experience the presence of God. Because here's the deal. When you truly, genuinely experience the presence of God, it begins to lead you to a place where you're willing to say to God, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. Because you understand his presence. So what is it? What do you need to fully surrender to God? First, you need a genuine experience with the presence of God like Isaiah. Here's the second thing you have in your notes. You need a genuine awareness of your sinfulness. If you're going to get to the place where you're willing to say to God, here I am, send me, blank check, you've got to have a genuine awareness of your sinfulness. This is exactly what happened to Isaiah in verse 5 of chapter 6. Then I said, it's all over. I mean, he's just been in the presence of God. It's all over. He's overwhelmed. I am doomed for I am a pretty good guy. See if you guys are awake. I'm really not that bad. I'm a lot better than a lot of people I know. No, no, no. Isaiah, after being in the presence of God, became aware of his sinfulness. He said, I am doomed, for I am what kind of man, church? I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips. I live among people with filthy lips. Why did he say this? He says, yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. One of the cultural beliefs today is that we're all good people. You know, we're all good. I'm a good person. You're a good person. She's a good person. We're really not that bad. Yes, we are. According to this book, without Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are all a bunch of lying, simple, evil, wicked people. Welcome to Orchard Church where we preach a feel-good message. (laughs) But isn't it true? Without Jesus as our Savior. And when we become more aware of our sinfulness, we become more aware of how bad we need a Savior. And we need Jesus. The problem is, if we're honest... While we don't see ourselves like Isaiah saw himself as this sinful person in need of a savior is because, and we all do it, I do it, we tend to compare ourselves among ourselves so we feel better about ourselves. Well, I'm not as bad as that guy. I have a better marriage than he has. I'm not as bad as she is. I don't do this, I don't do that. But here's the deal. Each of us, we're not the standard. God is. And I don't know about you guys, but when I look at God, I got a long way to go. Look at some of you guys, I'm ahead of you, okay? (laughs) But when I compare myself to God, I'm like, I'm a sinful man. I'm doomed without Christ. Without Jesus, man, I am messed up. And and we come to this place, it's a game changer. When we become aware of God's goodness and His holiness, we become more aware of our badness. That may not be grammatically correct, but that sounded good the way I said it. And I'm sticking with it. And the result, when we understand and we become aware of who we are without Jesus and our sinfulness, the only reasonable response is the same one as Isaiah right here, to say, here I am, (laughs) send me. Here I am, send me. How do we get to a place of full surrender like Isaiah? We have to have a genuine experience with the presence of God. We have to have a genuine awareness of our sinfulness. And then here's the third thing. If we're going to become fully surrendered to God, to be willing to pray a game-changing prayer that says, here I am, send me, we have to have a genuine understanding of God's graciousness. This is the good news. 
God's graciousness. Right after, you know, Isaiah is feeling sinful and he's feeling guilty and he's feeling ashamed and doomed. Verse 6 says, Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. And he touched my lips with it. I mean, I can just hear, that would hurt. He touched my lips with it and he said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Watch this. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. I love that. One touch from God and the guilt is removed and his sins are forgiven. And in the same way that the coal removed the guilt and the shame and the sins of Isaiah, Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago went to the cross and he died and he bled and he was buried and he rose again to remove our guilt, to remove our shame and to forgive us. Our lying lips forgiven, our hatred forgiven, our gossip forgiven, our secret sin, our lust forgiven, our stealing, our cheating, our dishonesty forgiven, our addictions forgiven, our lack of faith forgiven. Because here's the good news, 1 John 1, 9 is still true. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. He will separate our sins as far as the east is from the west. He buries them in the depths of the sea. He remembers them no more. And though our sins were as scarlet, They become white as snow because of the goodness and the grace of God. That's the only reason. And I came here today to tell somebody that. Because some of you need to be encouraged. You need to know about the goodness and the grace of God. Because some of you may have walked in here with guilt and shame. And I'm telling you, that doesn't come from God. That comes from our enemy. God loves us. He wants to forgive us. He wants to shower us with mercy and grace and forgiveness. And all we have to do is say yes. All we have to do is ask Him for it. One of of my favorite definitions of grace is this. How, How do you define grace? God's riches at Christ's expense. That's grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. That He meets us where we are and He removes our guilt And he forgives us of all of our sins. You see, we don't bring anything, but Jesus brings everything to save us. And when you really experience that, when you experience the presence of Almighty God, when you're aware of your sinfulness and need of a Savior, and then you understand His grace and what He's done in your life, verse 8 says, let's say the very first word. You should, if you're highlighting in your Bible, underline, star, this word, verse 8. What's the first word of verse 8? Then. What's the then? After all these three things that happened, experiencing the presence of God, being aware of his sinfulness, understanding God's grace, then Isaiah said, then and only then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am. Send me. (laughs) Those three things led up to that statement. If you see it, say yes. We can't just jump there without experiencing the other three things that lead up to it. And once you get to that place that you understand all that God has done in our life and we experience his presence and we understand our, are aware of our sinfulness and we understand his grace, it's not like, all right, okay, God, you're God, I'm not. I'll go, I'll do it. No, this is not something we have to do, church. This is something we get to do. 
We get to serve the God of the universe, the King of kings and Lord of lords. We get to be a part of his redemptive plan and advance his kingdom that will have no end. Where he is the king on the throne and we are his kids and we'll be with him forever. Why would we not want to be available to him? One of my spiritual mentors used to say this to me all the time. And I've never forgot it. He said, you know, there are only two things that last forever. The word of God and the souls of people. Isn't that true? I mean, we, we, we invest our time in so many things that are going to be gone someday. They're going to burn up someday. But when you are willing to make yourself available to God and say, here I am, send me, and you get involved in his redemptive plan and advancing his kingdom, that will be with us forever and forever. So why don't more people pray this kind of game-changing prayer? Here I am, send me. I'll tell you why, if we're honest. I'll tell you why I've been hesitant to pray it sometimes in my life. Because we're afraid of what the answer might be. <laughs> Can we just be honest? All right? All right? We're afraid. If I pray that kind of prayer, God might call me to Africa. God might call me to live on a dirt floor, never flush a toilet again, and there's not a Starbucks within a thousand miles. <laughs> now, if God calls me, you know, to... Hawaii, I'm in. Here's the truth. God might call some of you to a place like Africa or the Philippines like we talked about last week. But let me tell you this. It's more likely that God is going to call you to help people find and follow Jesus right where you are right now. He's going to call you to your neighbor's. He's going to call you to your coworkers. He's going to call you to your friends. He's going to call you to your family. He's going to call you to other students in your school as kids get ready to go back to school. He's already called us to that. Amen? He's already called us to that. To be a light in our community, to help people find and follow Jesus. And, and as we wrap this up, I just want to share my heart with you guys. And this is, as I was preparing for this, like how, how can this be most practical for Orchard Church at this time, in this place, in the history of our church? Because we are at a crossroads, and this is a very historic time in the life of Orchard Church. We're 11 years old. We've been a portable church for 11 years. We've met right here in this high school for 10 and a half years. And we've seen God do incredible things. But I don't think it's a secret any longer that we're going to be moving soon. Our name is on the building now. Okay? And it's exciting. But listen. To whom much is given, much is required. And if you, I want to talk, for, if you're a guest today, hey, we're so glad you're here. We're, we're thrilled. But I, I just want to talk to those people for a minute that you would say, when somebody says, what's your church home? You'd say, Orchard Church. That's my church home. That's my church family. That, that's where I worship. That's where I learn God's word. But let me ask you this. Is that where you also serve? Because if God has called you to be a part of this fellowship, of this church, then God has called us all to the same mission. Our mission is could not be clearer, to help people find and follow Jesus. Amen? And, and listen, I, I say it over and over. The only reason for that facility next door is to better facilitate our mission, to help more people find and follow Jesus. And we've been talking and praying constantly as a leadership team here at Orchard Church. We are recognizing that we're going to have the capacity and the opportunity to double our outreach uh, in this community probably in three to six months of getting in, into this new building. But listen, we're all in this together. 
And I'm not telling you this because, oh, we need your help, please, Lumbagi. No, I'm telling you this because I want you guys to experience helping people find and follow Jesus. When hundreds of thousands of people accept Christ, and we're not just baptizing 50 at a time, we're baptizing 100 at a time or 150 at a time, that you have a part in that. And that some of you would be willing today to say, here I am, send me. Whatever God is asking me to do to help people find and follow Jesus, I'll invite people, I'll, I'll serve. It takes over 200 people, volunteers serving every Sunday here at Orchard Church right now to make Sundays happen. And can we just thank them and celebrate and praise God for all those who serve. Amen. But, but let me tell you this, it's going to take 200 more as we move into the, the new building. And it's time for some of you to get off the sidelines, if you will, and get in the game and say, here I am, send me. I'm willing. I'm willing. Uh, and I want, I want you to know that the difference, those of you that serve here at Orchard Church, the difference you're making. Uh, whenever we have guests come to our church, we send them a guest survey and many of them will fill it out. And this, one of the questions we ask them is, what's the first thing you noticed when you visited Orchard Church? And let me just read you some of the answers. And every one of you who serve, you have a part in what these people are experiencing, no matter where you serve. One person said, the first thing I noticed was the welcome tent out front, the blue tent, where we have tons of people serving out there. I thought that was such a great idea and, and a way to welcome new guests. I've never been welcomed to a church that way. Someone else said, I, I loved it. I felt so at home. People were so friendly. That's people that serve. It's a spirit-filled church. Someone else said, first thing I noticed was all the greeters and everyone was so nice. I felt very welcome. Those are people that serve. Someone said, I really liked it. I really enjoyed the pastor. I had to throw that one in there. I just that <laughs> made me feel a little better to read that. So, uh, so much. They probably filled that out during the month I was gone. That's what I'm thinking. But... <laughs> I'm claiming it anyway. So, someone else said, I could feel the love. Someone else said, my younger kids had so much fun in kids' ministry. We're excited to go back. Man, we have like 150 people that serve in our children's ministry. We're going to need about 300. And, and these people experience this because of people serving. Someone else, I thought this one was cute. They said, the first thing I noticed was communion being distributed at the door in little single-serve creamers. <laughs> I like that. And let me read you one of... A hundred stories that we receive, and every one of you who serve here and are willing to say, here I am, send me to help people find and follow Jesus, you have a part in this one of hundreds of families' stories. Let me read it to you. I got this a while back. Uh, this lady said, my husband and I moved into the area three years ago, and I frequently shared my desire to find a local church home. My husband would attend church with me because I asked him, but he never really had a personal relationship with God. We first attended Orchard Church 13 months ago, and it was a turning point in our family. My three young sons love the children's ministry and all those who serve there. We adjust our weekend plans now so we can always attend church. We spend time in scriptures of family. My sister and her husband have recently started attending an orchard as well. And my husband accepted Christ last Sunday. Man. And then she just goes on to thank people for making them feel welcome. And all of you who serve have a part in this. And some of you... God is going to call you today to be a part of this, to help people find and follow Jesus. Some of you, you know, God may speak to you to say, you know, here I am, send me to be a small group host. We're getting ready to launch our largest small group semester in the history of Orchard Church. We, meet, we need about 75, 80 small group hosts and homes to accommodate all the people that are in our church. That's a good problem to have, amen, church? But we need people to be willing to say, here I am, send me. I can open up my home. 
You say, well, I got to know the Bible. And no, no, you just have to know how to care for people and love people and be willing to fill that out. It's in your newsletter. Some of you, let me tell you this, this is going to happen. As we move into the new building and we're going to get really serious and focused, we're already praying about two or three different areas where we're going to plant other Orchard Church sites, God is going to call some of you to leave the comfort of the mother church to go and help us plant other churches. I had lunch with a couple in our church this week that's praying about that very thing. They said, we feel like God may be leading us in that way. But what are they saying? Here I, here I am. Send me. And God's going to send some of you guys to be a part of God's redemptive plan. And it's amazing when you know you're doing something that makes a difference for all eternity. When you're willing to say, here I am. Send me. God, you fill in the blanks. I want to close with this story I heard recently. It was about a, a pastor that pastored an old country church. And maybe some of you grew up in this kind of church. It was an old country church, you know, white church, steeple, and that whole deal. One door on the front. You know, everybody went in the same door. Everybody went out the same door. You know, I got to chase you guys around four doors trying to talk to you. But he would stand there every week, and he'd welcome people as they would come in the church. He would stand there as people would leave, and they'd say, good message, pastor, good message, pastor. I wish I had one door so all of you could say that to me. And so... He's standing there, and in this one particular week, this, this gentleman was in line, and he noticed that he was newer to the church, and he didn't really know his name yet, and the guy comes up to the pastor, and he shakes his hand, and he said, Pastor, I just want you to know, the answer is yes. So what's the question? And the pastor's like, I don't know. He didn't know what to say. He said, well, God bless you. Have a great week. Next week, the guy comes to church. As he's leaving, he sees him coming in the line. And he's wondering, like, is he going to say that again? And the guy comes up, shakes the pastor's hand, looks him in the eye, says, Pastor, I just want you to know, the answer is yes. So what's the question? And the pastor's like, uh, let me get back to you on that. Let me, let me pray about that. And the next week, guy comes to the line again, shakes the pastor's hand, he says, Pastor, the answer is yes. What's the question? The pastor's like, you know, you've asked me this three times. Let's get together tomorrow. Let's have coffee. So he meets up with the guy, and he says, so every week you've been coming by saying to me, Pastor, the answer is yes. What's the question? He's like, I don't know what the question is. He goes, what do you, what do you mean by that? And he goes, well, let me, let me tell you, Pastor, what's happened in my life. He said, about two months ago, someone in your church that I work with invited me to church. I'd never been to church in my life. I didn't even know if there was a God. My life was a mess. It was a wreck. I had all kinds of addictions. I'd been in and out of prison. I was losing my, my marriage, my kids. I had no hope. I had no fulfillment. I had no satisfaction. I was considering taking my life. And a friend invited me to your church. And I came in that day, and you told me about a man named Jesus that 2,000 years ago left heaven, came to this earth, lived a perfect, sinless life, died on the cross to pay for my sins, all of them, past, present, and future. And if I would put my faith and trust in him, I could be forgiven, and I could have a home in heaven, and my life could be completely different. And that day, I said yes to Jesus, and I invited him into my life, and it has radically changed my life. It saved my marriage. It saved my family. I'm not the same person anymore. So the only reasonable response is yes. So, Pastor, what's the question? What do you want me to do? How can I help? Need me to mow the yard? Need me to build something? Need me to clean toilets? Need me to change diapers? The answer is yes. I just need to know the question. 
What a great response. That's the same thing that Isaiah said. Here I am, send me. And when we all truly experience the presence of God and we truly have a genuine awareness of our sinfulness and we genuinely understand God's grace, the only reasonable response is here I am, send me. God, the answer is yes. Now just give me the question. You fill in the blanks. The answer is yes. Heavenly Father, may our heart respond like Isaiah's, that we would truly get to the place in our life of full surrender, that we would say, here I am, send me. A game-changing prayer. So we continue in an attitude of prayer right now with heads bowed and eyes closed. Those of you that are believers in Jesus Christ and this is your church home, here's how I'm going to ask you to respond today. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. I'm going to ask you to put feet to what God is saying, to put action to it, to be a doer of God's word and not just a hearer only. And if you're here today and you would say, the answer is yes, here I am, send me. I'm willing to be available to God. I'm going to ask some of you to be willing to take out that connection card right now. Right now, take that connection card out that's in your newsletter. Give us your best contact information, your, your email, your phone number, and you check any of those boxes that you, you believe God is speaking to you about. And if it's to serve, you say, I don't know where I'm supposed to serve, we'll help you with that. You just check that box that says serving, we'll invite you to our next volunteer in a couple of weeks. We'll match your passion and personality and availability, find a fit for you so you can be a part of helping people find and follow Jesus. Maybe you need to be discipled. And you need to surrender to that. Maybe you need to disciple someone else. Maybe it's time you say, you know, God has blessed us with a wonderful home. And our home is not going to be our treasure. It's going to be a tool to be used to help people find and follow Jesus. We're going to host a small group. And and you're going to fill that out. Whatever it is, however God is speaking to you. Some of you, maybe you need to check every box on there. I don't know. But it's a way to put into practice to say, here I am, God. Send me. The answer is yes. Now ask the question. Fill that out, drop in the offering bucket when it goes by as we take that step of faith today. As you're doing that, some of you are here today and you need to hear this. God would never ask you to do something that he hasn't already done for you. And 2,000 years ago, the God of this universe looked down upon mankind and saw us in our sinful, hopeless, helpless state and he said, somebody's got to go and do something about this to save them. And Jesus Christ stepped up and said, yes, Here I am, send me. And God sent his only son, Jesus, to this earth to pay for our sins, to remove our guilt and forgive us of everything. And all we have to do is say yes to him. He said yes to us. Have we said yes to him? Yes, be my Lord, be my my savior. Remove my guilt, remove my shame, forgive me. And I believe that there are some of you here today, right now, that the Holy Spirit of God is speaking to you and saying, it's time for you to say yes to Jesus and pray the most game-changing prayer you could ever pray where you invite him into your life. And I know some of you are like, I don't even know what to pray. I don't even know what words to say. I'm gonna help you. And in just a moment, I'm gonna pray a prayer and I'm gonna ask, invite some of you, if God's speaking to you in this way, to pray this prayer from your heart to God's. It's not a magic prayer. These are not magic words. But if you put faith behind it and it comes from your heart, you can invite Jesus into your life today. You can have all your sins forgiven, your guilt removed. If that's you today, you know who you are. Would you pray this prayer with me? It goes like this. Jesus, I'm saying yes to you today. Yes, be my Lord. Be my Savior. Come into my life. 
I trust you. Yes. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and forgiving me. Thank you. Thank you. So we continue with the attitude of prayer with all heads bowed, nice closed. Nobody looking around for a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I, I would, wouldn't want to do that. But I'd love the privilege and honor to pray for you. If you just prayed that prayer with me and you meant it, I want to pray for you. You just made the most important decision in your life. I want to pray that you would grow in your relationship and walk with the Lord from this day forward. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, no looking around but myself for just a moment without hesitation. If you prayed that prayer, can I pray for you? Would you just slip up your hand right now all across this auditorium? God bless you, ma'am, right here. God bless you over here. God bless you, young man over here. God bless you. A couple people up here. God bless you. Anybody at Orchard excited about people saying yes to Jesus? God bless you. Amen. 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 Let me pray for you. As I'm praying for you, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. If you raised your hand just now and you said yes to Jesus, here's your next step. On that connection card, give us your name and your mailing address. Check that box that says, I accepted Christ. And drop that in the offering bucket so we can continue to pray for you and send you a book in the mail that will help you in your walk with Jesus. You do that right now as I'm praying for you. Father, we thank you for all those putting their faith and trust in you today, saying yes to you, you today. Thank you that before you have sent us, you sent your son to die for all of us. And God, we... We can never thank you enough. And the only reasonable response when we experience your presence and we're aware of our sinfulness and we understand your grace and your goodness is to say, yes, yes, here I am. Send me. And may you do amazing, incredible, unexpected things to our lives as we say yes to you today. And thank you for all those putting their faith and trust in you. May they grow in the grace and knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said... Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate big time life change today and those saying yes to Jesus? Amen.